Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of his glory to you. If you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and grab it and turn to the book of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles right around the sound booth there, the sound booth that you can take a glance at and see for the last time, um, and, and grab a Bible. We use our Bibles here together as a church, so Matthew, the book of Matthew is what we're looking at. Um, We are at the end of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew is in the New Testament, which is the back half of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So if you see one of those other books, come back toward the front a little bit. The book of Matthew. We have been um, working for the last 17 weeks of walking through um, what we've seen. or It's been uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus teaching to his disciples where Jesus has pulled away with his disciples on this um, really a mountain retreat with them to teach them what it looks like to be a follower of him. And so there's this teaching from Jesus. And and a lot of this teaching has been really straightforward. It's been hard-hitting, straightforward teachings from Jesus about what it looks like to follow Jesus. We There haven't been a lot of weeks where we've had to try to guess. I wonder what Jesus means there. It's been really straightforward, hasn't it? Where he just uh, walks straight into it and he shows us this is what it looks like to be one of my followers. And really throughout the teaching, Jesus has presented just two options. Um, He's presented two options, and and we've seen this especially clear in the last few weeks. Two options about what it looks like in life. Um, I, I think we often forget that the Christian life is not just one of, of knowing about Jesus or saying I follow Jesus, but it's also one of obedience. I think we often some, we, we can sometimes separate those things. That yes, of course, we, we see the Christian life as one of grace. We, we've, uh, grace has been extended to us, but, but, but it's, it's also one of joyful obedience. The Christian life following Jesus is one about joyful obedience. Yeah, we've been saved by grace through faith. There's nothing we've done to deserve salvation. There's nothing we've done to earn God's favor. Absolutely, we would say, yes, Jesus came to give abundant life. And that abundant life, this is what we tend to forget, that abundant life that he's come to give is not separate from obedience to him. In fact, the abundant life that Jesus has come to offer and to give is abundant because Jesus is sovereign Lord and authoritative king over all. And we get to, not have to, we get to, yet we also have to, we get to live under his authoritative rule and his reign in in a kingdom that will not be shaken. A kingdom that uh, Jesus stands as our provider and protector. So the first option that Jesus puts in front of us is a life of joyfully trusting and obeying him. That's a way of life. And the second way of life that Jesus has clearly set in front of us over the last weeks as we've walked through this sermon, this teaching to his disciples, is this. The way of life 
is following our own way. We get to follow what we want to do, what what the world may be promoting and celebrating, that you get to be your best version of you. You get to be your best version of you, and the way that you get to do that is by living how you want to live. You get to hold yourself to your own standard. This is how I'm going to live. This is my own standard. I've set it for myself, and and because it seems good at times, I'm going to sprinkle a little Jesus on there. And so there's this way of life that is devoted to to you. And Jesus says to us very straightforward that that's a wide door that opens up to a wide road. And there's a large group of people on that road, but they're all headed toward one, uh, one destination. And that destination is destruction. Just lays it out very clearly. And these teachings over the last weeks have been challenging. And each week I, I come prepared to teach you all. And what ends up happening in the process is I, I get um, to this place of, of seeing ways in which God is working on me. So I step back and say, hey, this isn't, if you all don't show up, or it may, I still am, am able to apply what I'm learning. I'm glad you show up. Um, but if you didn't, I still get to apply what, what Jesus is teaching me and, and the ways in which he's working on my heart. And so this morning, we finish this series that, that has been um, 17 weeks of really straightforward, hard-hitting words from Jesus about what it looks like to be a follower of him. And as we do every time we finish a series together, we um, take some time at the end of that to, to share with one another. Hey, what, what are we learning? And so we'll have an opportunity to do that, be thinking through that. If something comes to mind, we'd love to hear from you. We have two verses left is all. Two verses left in chapter 7, and these uh, verses are not words from Jesus. So we've heard from Jesus, um, but now we're into these two last two verses, and they're a conclusion, a conclusion from the author of the gospel account of Matthew. Matthew himself steps in and gives us a little conclusion to what we've seen. If you remember all the way back to chapter 5, how this began in verse 1, the author, Matthew, says, seeing the crowds, about Jesus, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught taught them, saying, and then he teaches, and that's what we've seen over the last Several weeks. Now look at the very last two verses of Matthew chapter 7. Verse 28 says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, there aren't a lot of words being said there, but there is quite a bit being communicated in those short um, verses. There's a lot being communicated about the teaching that we may receive from others and, and the teaching we absolutely receive from Jesus. And I want, I want to be brief today so that we can hear from one another. So let me just look at these. Let's look at these very quickly. I think the first thing we see from these two verses as we finish up this series is not necessarily overt. It's not right there out in front of us, but it's there. And it's this, that the teaching of others may be valuable. The teaching of others may be valuable. I'll show you what I mean. The teaching of others may be valuable. We're told that the crowds around Jesus in this teaching were astonished at his teaching. 
and that he was not teaching them as the scribes had taught them. That's not to say that everything that the scribes, though, had taught them was wrong. That's not to say that the, everything that the scribes had taught them was, was a, of no use at all. Certainly much of what the scribes and also the Pharisees had been teaching was valuable to those who, who had heard their teaching because they were teaching about the things of God, the laws of God. The scribes and the Pharisees knew the law of God. They knew it. They were the religious elite of the day. They, when, when it came to knowing the things of God, the laws of God, they were on the top. The scribes had much of the law uh, devoted to memory. They were looked up to and respected among the people. And so they had heard from the scribes. Of course, their teaching was valuable for the people. And it's likely that many of the people in the mountains during this sermon from Jesus had followed the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees. Think about that. That Many of the people who had gathered around Jesus, the teaching that they had received in the past and what they had grown up with had come from the scribes and the Pharisees. They had learned about God from from this primary source of the scribes and and their reading and and reciting of the law. And so the people who had gathered around Jesus had heard that and they had heard the Pharisees teaching about the law. And it's likely that many of the people in the mountain that day were there, were there because they had already had a leaning toward these teachings. Have you thought through that before? That they've gathered around and they'd already heard the teachings from the scribes and the Pharisees. They had a desire to know the law and the things of God. They had a desire to have a life devoted to God. And the catalyst for that leaning in that direction and that desire was probably the teachings of the scribes. Likewise, for us, there are probably teachings that have been valuable for you over the years. You've probably read from a variety of authors. You probably have your favorite authors. Anytime they write a book, you want to get it because you want to read what they have to say. So you lean in that direction. You, you may uh, listen to a lot of sermons. They're, they're out there. You can find as many, and you probably have your, your favorite preachers that you go back to over and over, and you want to hear the way they teach because it resonates with, with, with how you think and how you learn. Much of your thinking probably... It, uh, about God is, has probably been shaped by some great thinkers, some great communicators, some great writers over the years. You probably have people in your life who have taught you a lot personally. You know them. You're engaged with them. And, and so you've, you've heard from them over the years. Maybe that's been your parents, people who you've learned from one-on-one. Maybe it's a, a college ministry staff member who's been a mentor to you. Or maybe it's a, a church in the past that you've gone to and someone uh, took you under their wing and they were a mentor to you and you've learned a lot from them. Maybe it's someone in this room right now who you've connected with and you've learned a lot from. What a gift it is to have people in our own lives who have taught us who have instructed us, who have walked alongside of us. Their teachings and their discipleship, their leading of you has a significant value in your life. And at the same time, the the scribes and the Pharisees during the day of Jesus caused quite a bit of damage as they helped, as they held, sorry, held people to their own teachings as an end in itself. There's a lot of damage being done. And so Jesus steps in and begins to teach. The scribes and the Pharisees led people 
at times astray. Maybe whether they knew it or not, they did. They, they led people astray by relaxing the law of God and at times adding to the law of God, creating new laws in place of what God had already required. And they'd say, hey, you, you can do it this way. Well, while the teaching from the scribes and the Pharisees may have been valuable, their teaching also promoted and put the spotlight on their own righteousness as a way of life, as a standard. So while it may have been valuable in some ways, the ways in which it led people astray was destructive. And Jesus steps in and begins to teach. Likewise for us. There are, there are teachings from others um, who, whom God has used in, in a lot of ways. But when those teachings from others in our lives leads us to see more of ourselves, leads us to see um, more of the person who was teaching or leads us to see more of a way of life that, that's not consistent with God's word, we have to recognize where we may be led astray. We have to have a standard. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but there are counterfeits. There are false teachers out there. Whether they know that or, or are trying to do that or not, there are false teachers out there. There are counterfeits out there. We have to know what is true and we have to know what is false. And we know what is true by studying the word of God, by having a standard, the, the Bible. And so we study Jesus and his teaching. There may be others who have been valuable in our lives. And we, we hold that and say, yep, that's been valuable, but it's got to be matched up to something. The teaching of others may be valuable, but I think we also see the teaching of Jesus is authoritative. And we see that in the, the final verse. Verse 29, the crowds of people were astonished by his teaching and one who had authority, not as one who was teaching like the scribes. That's Matthew's little jab at the scribes. You see that? That's the real sense of what the author is trying to communicate. Jesus was teaching with authority, not like the scribes. Jesus was teaching with authority, not like one of the scribes. And that's why the crowds were astonished because it's not what they had grown up with. It's not what they had been used to. Jesus was teaching as one who had authority, but, but the scribes were teaching based on the authority that had been given to them. There's a slight difference there, but, but I want us to see that. One author I read this past week said that the scribes spoke by authority while Jesus spoke with authority. Those prepositions matter. The, the scribes spoke by uh, uh, authority, but Jesus spoke with authority. The scribes were only able to speak what had already been spoken, and the only authority they had was the authority passed on to them by God's law or the prophets of the Old Testament that they grabbed onto and taught from them. Jesus spoke with his own authority, and we've seen this for 17 weeks now. Authority that had been given to him by the Father, yes, but he and the Father are one. And so they come at that with the same authority. Over and over, Jesus has said, you've heard that it was said. Do you remember that? Remember that those weeks that we went through that? You've heard that it was said, and then he would list a law. And then he would say, what? But I say to you this. 
The teaching of Jesus is authoritative on its own. He wasn't a commentator of something that someone else had said before him that he grabbed onto and said, yeah, let me, let me use that. The crowds were astonished by his teaching, the teaching of Jesus, because it was like nothing they had heard before. It wasn't like the scribes who were trying to interpret or reinterpret what had been passed down to them and, and then used for their own good. He had authority on his own. Jesus did. And we could walk through the entire sermon on the mount. We could walk through everything we've walked through and see that Jesus was authoritative in his teachings. He was authoritative. Let's just do it. He was authoritative in his teachings. From the very beginning, in the ways his followers were blessed. Remember the Beatitudes? That was an authoritative teaching from Jesus that they were to humbly mourn over sin and they were blessed, that they were to hunger for righteousness. That was a teaching from Jesus that was authoritative. He he was authoritative in his teachings on his proclamation of us being salt and light, that we are to be preserving what is good and preventing decay and we're giving light to the darkness around. That was a teaching from Jesus. Not something that had been taught that he grabbed onto, but a teaching from Jesus that was authoritative. The fact that Jesus uh, steps in and says he came to fulfill all of the law. He didn't come to abolish it, but he came to fulfill it. That was a teaching of Jesus. That was new for the people. That had to have been shocking for the religious elite of the day, but the teaching of Jesus is authoritative. The teaching of uh, Jesus is authoritative in his teachings on anger and lust and divorce and oaths and retaliation and love of others and loving, uh, loving your enemy. That's where he says, you have heard that it was said. And he quotes the law, or at least the, law, the way that the law had been taught. And he says, but I say to you, that's from him. That's his teaching. It was authoritative. Jesus was authoritative in his teachings on the disciplines of the faith, the ways in which we live out the Christian life. That, that teaching came from him. He didn't co-opt that and add on to that teaching. The teachings on, on giving to the needy, on prayer and on fasting, those things that, that we see as, as disciplines of the faith, not so that you can look good in front of others. It was about giving all the glory to God. That was a teaching from Jesus and it had authority on its own. Jesus was authoritative in his teachings on not finding significance in the things of this earth or worrying or or trusting God to be our provider and father, trusting God to be the judge over others that we don't have to judge. That, that, That was the teaching of Jesus. Remember that as we walk through that, he says, look at the the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, they're not, they're not scrambling to try to provide. God does that. And, and how much more uh, value are you? That was a teaching from Jesus that held its own authority because it came from Jesus. He taught with, his author, uh, with authority and his authority had been given to him by the Father and he and the Father are one. Listen, this has the, 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 been the teaching from Jesus over and over that there are two ways of life. Just two. Not a lot, not a list of options, but two ways of life. A life of following our own authority or the authority that we're going to grab on into and say, yep, I'm a part of this group. Our own authority that we believe is best for us at the time, and it can change depending on what we think is best for us at, at any given time. That, that's an, an option. And then Jesus sets out another option, a life of following him as the authoritative teacher who is 
God who is judge, who is savior, who came down not to abolish the law of God, but to fulfill it, who came. Think about this. Wants to hear this. He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And also, paired with that, coupled with that, he came humbly to give his life, to lay down his life for those who could not surpass the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, those who needed help. Put those things together. He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So there's a high standard. This is what it is. But he also came humbly to lay down his life for those who could not fulfill the law. That is the Jesus who has taught us for 17 weeks from his authority and also from his humility. Humility willing to be obedient to the point of death on a cross to pay the penalty of our sin. We've learned from Jesus for 17 weeks and his authority has been what we've learned from. And so this morning, I'd like to pray for us and, and then I want to give some time for you all to share, hey, here's some things that have been meaningful to me over the weeks. Um, and so let me pray for us now and, and we'll move in that direction. God, I pray that these um, words from Jesus would be powerful and effective not just, um, not just this morning, not just in these weeks that we've walked through it, but that these words would be words we are coming back to over and over and over and pointing to the, to the fame and authority of Jesus and say, no, Jesus taught us this. This is how we live. This is what it looks like to follow him. Would this change us as a church? The things that we've heard from Jesus, the one who, the one who came as an authority, in his own right, he came in as an, as an authority handed to him by the Father, the, the same Father that, that, that he's one with. He came as an authority, and at the same time, he laid down his life so that the ways in which we are not able to be obedient to that authority, we, we have access to God the Father. That's the Jesus we have learned from. And, and God, my prayer is that's the Jesus we'd keep running back to as the firm foundation. Would you help us in that? God, I pray that these, um, these weeks would, would, again, change us as a church, as a people. And now as we um, get to hear from one another, I pray that we would be encouraged as we think about the ways in which you have taught us and, and we're growing together as a church family. Help us in all these things we ask. Amen.